Hello, hello, hello. I am your Bernadette Peters, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most is Munoz. And y'all, you are not ready for today's episode. How are you all doing? I know, I know, I know. These days, it's like I'm more like Father Time because my beard is getting grayer and I can't stop talking about how fast time is just going these days. It's the end of September, y'all. Pumpkin spice lattes are in full effect. And as much as I trash talk them, I must admit, I did go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a, a pumpkin swirl diet something or other the other day just to feel the fall of it all. What else is going on, folks? Um, y'all, Elvira came out of the closet and she admitted she's in a 19-year-long relationship. Shout out to you, Elvira. And actually, I want to bring on today's very, very special guest because I feel like he's going to have a lot of input on this subject and a lot of other subjects. And I'm just really excited to have him here today. So without further ado, please help me welcome, I'm telling you, you are not ready, in your mouth listeners, the one, the only, David Bertka. Say hi, David. Hey, 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 <laughs> what an intro. Wow. I don't know if I deserve that. Uh, that was listen, pretty. there's more intro to come. <laughs> don't get everybody's hopes up. It's not like it's Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brad Pitt. You know what? My Brad Pitt was Meet Joe Black Brad Pitt. Do you have a, a Brad Pitt moment? I think my Brad Pitt was the movie with Gina Davis, his first movie. Thelma and uh, Louise. Thelma and Louise. Ass, yeah. ass out, Brad Pitt. Like, yeah. Yeah. That mm. young, undiscovered, not even, you know. Yeah. There's that, there's that pool scene in Meet Joe Black that to this day gets me 
every time. That is cinematography at its best. But David Berka, I can't believe you're here. And David Berka, you have this name, kind of like people call me Michael Munoz all the time, like all like in referencing me. You have one of those names that I feel like I just can't call you David. <laughs> well, I mean, I I mean, I guess it's my name. So I, I people call me David Berka. People call me David. What? Yeah, you know, my it's kids just, call me Daddy Bones. You know, uh, Neil yeah, Daddy me, Bones. Did, uh, <laughs> Daddy. I don't know. Oh, okay. Davey, okay. Sometimes. Well, well, um, shout out to Elvira. Any thoughts on Elvira coming out? I I think it's great. Uh, it wasn't news to me. I I know uh, of that world. Uh, she was a groundling, and it wasn't that. Uh, I mean, I, I know friends of friends who are you know. Um, and Mario Diaz is really good friends with her, and I'm really good friends oh, yeah. with Mario, Mario and Diaz. And uh, and so. I thought it was common knowledge, but I guess it wasn't. So good yeah. for her, though. That's I mean, awesome. She's That's always good. she's always been a fan of the uh, of the people and in like an outspoken ally. And I guess you know, there's undertones of like certain celebs out there that may or may not be. But um, I just think the brand of it all the the brand is boobs and vixen. Right, always has yeah. been since I was young. Right, and we're not too far off in age. And so I get the reason for not like speaking on it, but right. uh, absolutely, congrats! We support you, oh, Elvira, um, on this day. And she looks I, amazing still for her age. It's I insane. Mean, I mean, you know what? I I love it too. I she's it's it's really insane. The upkeep. It doesn't look like there's a lot of work happening. It's just like. You know, the aging gracefully of it all. So shout out to you, Elvira, on this day. And we're not even at this day in gay history. Well, David, I'm so happy to have you here. And before we get anywhere, in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Coffee Day. Oh, fantastic. Right? Are we we coffee snobs? What's your favorite coffee? Uh, My next one. I, I love coffee. I absolutely love coffee. Uh, we have a, a Breville drip oh, maker. Fancy. I love that, but I also love Nespresso. I love, you know, I love any type of coffee. Honestly, if it's if it's freshly ground, uh, I like to put cinnamon in the grinds and uh, and and have a drip coffee. That's my favorite. I'll do um, I'll do black in the morning. With a vanilla stevia and a shot of cold brew. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, you're, it's you're very like... <laughs> weird because I, I literally, that's the only way I can drink it in the morning. Like, because I, I try to do intermittent fasting. So I'll drink black coffee, but it's, it has to be very specific in the morning. But then in the afternoon, I'll do like a latte or something with oat milk. Or I'd love, you know, in this time of age, you said pumpkin spice. And you know what? You got to have at least one during yeah. the season. Honestly, honestly, I I mean, you can throw that pumpkin spice in your coffee instead of the cinnamon, you know, in the morning as it brews. True. I used to do it in the French press of it all. Favorite coffee shop in the city? Oh, I like San Ambrose. It's really, really nice. uh, On the Upper East Side, uh, they have one down in Soho, too. Uh, yeah, and they, there's one down in the financial district mm, as well. Yeah, they're popping the up all over. 
yeah, the one on the Upper East Side is by um, the Mark Hotel. Beautiful, you know? Go to that San Ambrose, have lunch. I think they've got a great cappuccino. Also, they do, they're starting to do ice cream now, so I got an affogato the other day, and it was just delicious. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you're, forgot about it. You're in luck, David, because you get a double day today, and don't ask me who comes up with these things, because I don't know. I'm still... A double day of coffee and something else? Yes, it's also National Mocha Day. Mocha mocha shares a day with coffee. Well, I, I get that. It's like banana pudding. It would be different. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, but I get that mocha. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know why it couldn't be like National Mocha Coffee Day. Like, why why did we need a double day? That seems weird. It it, it yeah. <laughs> do it the next day. Mocha should have its own. Coffee should have its own day. Uh, absolutely. I mean, are you a mocha drinker? I am like not. Uh, I, I am not a mocha drinker because I keep trying to do the intermittent fasting myself. I the sugar is very is very low oh. in my life. I've I've discovered the monk fruit. Um, oh sugar yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. keto friendly, no calories. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, monk fruit. That monk you fruit. You bake with it? I have a uh, back in the day when I was uh, deep diving into the paleoness of it all. Uh-huh. So, but not recently. It's just not as good. I can't, I have a friend who has diabetes, uh, my best friend, and I try to make non-sugar treats and I just, you know. The no, the Muscadavo, it, the, the Muscadavo sugar is, is the best I found oh, yeah? for baking. Yeah. The oh, dark God. one, the dark one and the light one oh, um, try that. gives you the best. It's kind of like caramely, mapley. Uh-huh. I think that was the best substitute for like low glycemic kind of sugars in that respect. Well, no matter if you're a coffee drinker, a mocha drinker, a mocha coffee drinker, or a green tea drinker, (laughs) we celebrate you on this day. And moving right along into this day in gay history, David, did you know that in 1926, The Captive, a melodrama about a young woman seduced by an older woman, her shadow creates a sensation on Broadway for its lesbian undertones. Oh, nineteen twenty-six. Horrid! How? That's very scandalous. Yeah, it's very scandaloso, well, right? Well, for 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 nineteen twenty-six, you said that's yeah. that's a big yeah. deal. That's yeah. a big deal. It is a big deal, right? I I feel like I is- bet she was portrayed as being a monster, though. I bet that she was a villain. Well, it was her shadow. It says her shadow, so in quotations. So it was a lesbian love affair, but it was her shadow, so it was really a part of herself? Is that what they're trying to say? Yeah, I mean, it was the Peter Pan, Mary, (laughs) Mary, uh, Mary, not Tyler Moore, Mary, Mary, who played Peter Pan? Oh, Oh, shit. Oh, my God, I'm a terrible... Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, sound of Mary Martin. Mary Martin. Martin. I should didn't know this. I'm a musical theater major. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you and me. Well, we, we both been in the theater. <laughs> but Mary I found Martin. I found yes. this very apropos. You being you being the actor that you are, Elvira mm-hmm. coming out of the closet, and uh-huh. the 1926 lesbian undertones of it all. I mean, it, it all, all comes. It's circle, sure. but I want to get to the getting on, y'all. In your mouth, listeners. I feel like y'all know who David Burtka is, but if you don't, and you live There's under a, a ro- lot of people out there that have no idea who I am, really? Uh, I think I, so. I, yeah. I'd be, I'd be surprised. I, you're like the, you're like the gay Martha Stewart. Hello, <laughs> please. Thank you. God, so that listen. Is, I will take that title. I will. I'll. You know. 
And we're going to talk about it for sure. David Bertka is a chef, caterer, award-winning actor, and most importantly, a family man who released his first cookbook, Life is a Party, in April 2019. He earned a BFA from the University of Michigan and studied at the William Esper Studios in New York. The talented Le Cordon Bleu chef gained valuable experience training under incredible chefs, including Gina De Palma, Kat Cora, who needs to be on the pod. Come on, on the pod, Kat Cora. Okay, I'll and, get her on. I'll get her on. She's a And yeah. Thomas Keller. He has been seen in cooking segments on Barefoot Contessa, E! News, Homemade Simple, Rachel Ray, The Kitchen, Celebrity Dish, The Fab Life, and The Chew. You know, just to drop a few names. Additionally, he's been a guest judge on shows such as Beat Bob Flay, Top Chef Masters, Worst Cooks in America, RuPaul's Drag Race, and Iron Chef. His film credits are vast and include Dance Off, Annie and the Gypsy, Regrets Only, A Very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas, and Hollywood Ending. His television credits include a series of unfortunate events, which I loved, How I Met Your Mother, and American Horror Story Freak Show. He, He was seen previously on stage in David Hyde Pierce's It Should Have Been You, The Goat, or Who Is Sylvia, Gypsy, who I saw you in three times, the play about the baby, and the opposite of sex, among others. He is also the producer of a drag festival in New York, an iconic drag festival by the name of Wigstock. Wow, David, wow. I am wow, so excited to have you That's a mouthful. I, I, I sound old. I sound no, just old. <laughs> not at all. And I have a PS just to plug the merch. I have uh, I have merch that says I'm a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I'll I send love. you one. Yes, but listen, please. I always ask my guests here, right? Especially those who are, who have been so accomplished, and all my guests are, like are accomplished in their own rights. Just some are doing the most, and you are absolutely doing it all. What is that like hearing that back? It feels good. Like, I've always been that kind of person that feels that I need to be doing stuff and making the most of my life. Like, I feel that I want to look back at my life and say, wow, I lived life. And I definitely, up until this point, have lived life. I The chapters in my life from, you know, when I, from college on, have been so full. Like, I have done so much. And gotten so much out of every aspect of life, whether it's cooking or acting or, or uh, you know, philanthropy or, you know, with helping people, you know, clothing, design, children, family, husband, all of that, travel. I feel like, you know, I look back at my year, Neil and I look back at our year uh, many times and go, that was just one year. Or you look back and you've done so much in one year, you go, that was only a year ago. That felt like five years ago. And I think living in New York City, because it's such a go, go, go hustle uh, sort of world, you get so much done in your life. I didn't have the best time in LA because you don't get that much done. Like you go to the gym and maybe you'll see friends for drinks and have dinner and that's your day. But if you accomplish 10 things, it's not enough in New York. I mean, I'm a complete overachiever and and I like to do a lot, but... um, yeah, but it feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The the New York hustle is a real thing. I mean, I picked up a third job for the summer, you know, just because I felt like I needed to. Did I need to? 
probably not, but here we go, just just doing things and doing the most and constantly. It's that New York hustle that unless you live here or maybe are from here, you don't understand that like the constant motion and the constant movement and we got to go and like, you know, and sometimes I even find it hard to have a lazy day in bed because there's that guilt that it's just like, oh no, what am I? It's the FOMO mixed with like, I should be doing something or I'm not doing enough or like, you know, it's it's all of that. And my favorite thing to do with guests like you, right, is to get to know is to get to know you or the the you that we don't see out there personified. So like what's the guilty pleasure, David Bertka? Food or hmm. otherwise? I have a bunch of guilty pleasures, honestly. Uh sugar is one, like ice cream, Hagen dazs chocolate peanut butter ice cream. Gucci is crazy. Like I'm obsessed with Gucci and it's a problem. Uh, I'll like buy things from Mr. Porter and then hide them in the closet from my husband. He's like, where did this come from? How much are you spending? Um, And uh, God, what else? What other guilty pleasures do I like? You know, binge watching TV is a guilty pleasure. Travel is a guilty pleasure. I don't feel like I get to do enough of them, but uh, but it is, you know, I, I try to balance it out as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're trained here, you know, as doing a, a serious deep dive, obviously, into your past, right? You're, cha- you're trained as an actor, right? You've been all over stage and screen. At what point did you decide, hey, let me start training to be a chef at Le Cordon Bleu with all these, like, crazy, like intense chef folks it's an interesting story i was living in los angeles and um i I had had up until them meeting neil i had have had a very successful acting career and he got a show called how i met your mother and we moved to los angeles and then thinking you know because i got right out of the gate my first broadway show was at three months within living in new york um I thought, oh, well, I'll get a pilot. I'll get a sitcom, no problem. Uh, And it wasn't that. I had a really tough time sort of breaking into Los Angeles. It was a lot of, oh, well, you have a lot of theater credits. It was that, you know? So um, I worked now and then. And with New York, you work and work and work uh, and you do readings and, and workshops and things. You're always keeping busy with eight shows a week and stuff. And then LA, it was few and far between. You know, I do a booked a couple of guest spots here and there. And then my dad called me up and said, your mom is sick. Uh, she has cancer and leukemia. So I flew home and then she died in 20 days. Like, boom, like gone. And so I thought, shit, I can't be living in in L.A. being upset with the with the business because L.A. also is like you're on top of the business and it's it's really hard to live. At least for me, it was. Um, And then uh, and then dealing with rejection and mourning the death of my mother, I said, what else makes me happy? And I always loved cooking. I came from a family of of cooks and we always would gather around in the kitchen and and lots of parties and lots of uh entertaining and I learned from my mom and she was amazing and I thought you know what 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 else makes me happy and I always thought cooking did so I thought you know I'm going to go to cooking school I'm going to go to Le Cordon Bleu it'll only be a it'll be a skill that I'll have for my family uh I hadn't had kids yet but I thought you know this would be great to learn how to make this and that and 
I won't go into the business of of being a chef, um, but as things sort of started after graduating, things started raining down from the sky. I immediately immediately started working with Mario Batali, and then Thomas Keller and Kat Cora, and she wanted me to do Iron Chef America and be her sous chef, and and sort of all these things started happening, and I realized it could be a vocation. So I opened up a catering company in Los Angeles and was a caterer to stars. And I had all these connections with Hollywood. Um, and that's sort of how it came to be. I, you know, I never set out to be a chef, uh, but it just sort of hit me in the face. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah. I have a lot of different perspectives as I, than I do as an actor. I think, uh, it's a real, there were two different things, you know, they are still the arts, culinary arts, but, um, but acting and, and chefing, being a chef is like putting together a show. You have to learn all your techniques and lines and things like that. And then when it's time to have the dinner, you just pull it out and it's sort of, you know, secondhand how you're, you're putting a dish together. But the one thing that's different from acting than, than chefing is your, when you're making your dish, you come out and you put it on the plate and the proof is right there in front of you. Whereas acting, you go to an audition and you work on it and you work on your audition, you work on all your lines and you go out and you give them your all and it's you. And it doesn't necessarily taste the right way to a lot of the same people. You <laughs> yeah, know, it's, sure. it's it's like yeah. you have the proof that, that this dish is good in front of you. Whereas acting, you go out and it's an ego thing. It's, it's all about you. Like you don't necessarily fit because you're not blonde or you're too, uh, you're too short or you look like the director's ex-boyfriend and you won't get it. So there's a lot yeah. of variables that are so different. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm... I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, fine. No, it's it's my favorite thing uh, in what I do here um, and meeting all these new people in your mouth listeners is is finding the connect, right? Because in your mouth listeners, as as you all know out there, uh, most of my guests, 94% of my guests, I don't know, we're meeting for the first time candidly here. And that's what makes these discussions so special. But finding the connect between between host and guest here. And, you know, this podcast never set out to be this. And I told you this before we started to record yeah. and finding its own way and and having life in the universe, God, Ganesh, Allah, what, whatever we believe in or don't mm-hmm. believe in, kind of guide you in into that space and take you take you into um, a new space that's like really fantastic and fabulous and something that you've never expected and and how it relates because I too started in the musical theater and I've done the Broadway Bears of it all and and uh you know pounded the pavement the readings the the regional the summer stock all of it you know and here I am now in this food space like you know pro- providing pathways to queer voices in food here and like carving a niche also um back to your mom and cancer and just so a so sorry for your loss right and but b one of my best friends uh Vanessa uh, survived cancer breast cancer twice and I remember one when I was starting this food journey, I was working at a very fancy restaurant down in Tribeca and I was talking to the chef about like, uh, you know, healing foods, foods that heal, antioxidant foods. And I came up with this soup that was 
pumpkin sweet potato carrot that's like kind of really rich, kind of uh, full of like uh, star anise and all sorts of things, uh, which has later become called the cancer soup because it's it's something that uh, she relates to that moment in time, and that was that's so that was so healing and so mm. a and b so delicious so so much so that um later on other friends who've experienced the same thing i've made the soup for as it's called and and it's kind of this tradition that's like related to this like not so great thing but like is this beautiful thing that has come out of it you know what i mean that's great yeah i love that i absolutely love that yeah, it's yeah. it's it's interesting what you were saying before about you know your path and where it takes you. You know, it, it, it's it, it, you gotta just trust that your higher power or God or whatever is there to you know guide you through because you know you really can't. At the end of the day, you can't control the rain, you can't control the weather. So why do the same with your life? You gotta let it unfold and you gotta let it be what it's gonna be. Like yeah, I'm I mean, I'm getting back into acting right now. And I it's been it's been wild getting back into because now that my kids are older and they're starting to want nothing to do with me, uh, I'm gonna go back to work. So, you know, cooking is one thing, you know, I could do that in and out, but doing an acting role or going away on, you know, um, Location is a different thing. So, uh, you know, I have to just trust that that my talent's there and it's going to happen when it's going to happen. And, and I have to yeah, just... Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, but you have to do the work. You're a testament to that. It's not like you're just sitting in sitting in the library over there or sitting oh, in, your, in your but living I'm, room. I'm a big fan you know? of manifestation too. It's like yeah. you, you meditate on something and you think about it and you put it out there and, and you get your eye on the prize and you do everything you possibly can to make those things line up for sure. You know? Absol- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we were talking about family, and we we often talk about family here on the podcast, obviously, because we as LGBTQ people sometimes, unfortunately, lose our families, sometimes have to rely on chosen family. Right. And, and our, all of our stories are important because we never know who is listening. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about coming out and what your experience was like. So I, you know, I grew up uh, doing theater uh, ever since I was 12 years old. I was in a uh, children's theater group called the Peanut Butter Players. Uh, Where did you grow up? Detroit, Michigan. Yes. Shout out to you, Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it's interesting. A lot of the people that came out of that, Danny Gerwin, Randy Becker, uh, Celia Kinnan-Bolger, Sutton Foster, Hunter Foster, Aaron and Heather Dilley, like crazy. There was something in the water there uh growing up and we all are sort of working in the business which is awesome sutton foster and i were were boyfriend girlfriend i was her first kiss it was crazy Uh, homecoming uh, dance (laughs) Um, i i love that jalissa ramirez was my first kiss right because we were watching aladdin and she said she looked like jasmine and i had long hair then and i looked like aladdin and so we should kiss brilliant Yes. Shout out to you, Jalissa Ramirez, wherever you are, because let me tell you, I am a grade A maker outer, according to the (laughs) fellas out there. (laughs) Lucky her. Fantastic. (laughs) Or maybe lucky me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe she taught you all you knew. Yeah, Um, I, 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 I give her all the credit. But so continue. I grew up in the theater. So I it was uh it was I knew a lot of gay people a lot. So it was fairly early for you know me being 
17, you know, I was doing a show uh, at a local, uh, at the at the university and I was playing Baby John in West Side Story. And my I was talking to my grandma about being gay uh, and said, what would you think if I ever, ever came out? She goes, well, you know, because she was, this girl, this lady was hip. She, you know, she was, she grew up in Detroit and she, you know, knew other gay people. She was a dancer at the Fox Theater. And and so she 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 was ahead of her years. Um, and I, I said, what would you say if I was gay? And she said, well, I'd love you, but I'd be I'd be scared for you. Because, you know, we're in the height of AIDS right now, you know, at that mm-hmm. point. Um, but I'd still love you no matter what. And I said, well, I'm gay. And she goes, oh, dear. So it, I told her and then I told her not to tell my mom, but I knew some like subconsciously she'd tell my mom. So she did tell my mom because everybody has big mouths on my mom's side of the family. And so she told my mom and, and you know, my mom was upset and blah, blah, blah. And, and it was fine. Like they, they all love me no matter what. I think for dads, it's harder for dads to come to grips with it, at least back then. Um, because they just couldn't relate. They didn't know many gay people back then. I mean, now it's there's TV shows and you know, people are so out forthcoming about it. Um, but, you know, it took him about, you know, eight to 10 years to really say, okay, this is good. You know, uh, this is fine. Um, but, but that was basically my coming out story. It wasn't that hard because I was around gay people all the time yeah. doing theater. And well, and- we don't we don't qualify gay uh, coming out stories here on the pod because each one of our experiences are unique in their own way. And as I mentioned, you know, you never know who's listening and who who this story can like really. You know, like they can really attach to your specific story or who this may help, like whatever age you are, wherever you are in life. So, A, thank you for sharing. And B, look where you are now. You know, you have a beautiful family, right? Uh, an amazing husband. You know, what's it like being the like the two dads to two kids? Like, what is that experience? <laughs> and and I really want to know, are you a lunch box, like a lunch, like box queen? Like, are you making like fancy, like <laughs> lunch times to send them to school? Okay, two two questions there. I, um, the first thing is, uh, what is it like to having kids? Yeah. It's all I know, really. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't compare it from not having kids. I mean, I guess I can compare it from like when Neil and I were single and, hanging around downtown and being able to stay up late and watch, you know, watch TV shows until four in the morning. It doesn't happen that that anymore, unfortunately, but it is a lot of responsibility. And, you know, I had a lot of fun when they were zero to about seven uh, or eight right now from like eight to 10. It's, it's difficult. They're going from being, really baby cute young kids to wanting to be adults and going back and forth and the emotions are all up and down and they're going through the change uh at least my daughter (laughs) you know it's uh it's interesting i mean her emotions are flying and she's testing the waters on what she can say to us and her mouth can get out of hand sometimes but you know we try to check it you know we really we really love family time, you know, and I think that the kids really are sore um, when we go out to family dinners. Like, dinner is a very important thing to us. At five o'clock or six o'clock, dinner is always, you know, happening, and we always spend it together. 
um, as much as we can, of course, if someone's out of town or, or someone has a, a, a work call, but we try yeah. not to do that. We try and spend dinner together every single night. And, and that's when we get to debrief and talk about each other and talk our feelings and, um, and all that. Uh, in terms of lunch boxes, my kids' school provides lunch. So unfortunately, I can't be a lunchbox queen. But during the pandemic, when they had Zoom school, um, I follow this woman called We at Weelicious, and she's brilliant. She's a, yeah. a chef in Los Angeles, and she wrote this amazing smoothie book. And we're friendly <clears throat> online, and she has the best ideas for lunchboxes. So I, you know, work some stuff out. You know, every holiday is like a theme, and every every you know month I'll do you know fall and winter and. And, uh, you know, she does these sandwich sushi rolls and you, you, you smash the sandwich and you roll it up and cut it. And she has a lot of really great ideas. And we get that bento box, this silver bento box come from Planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those have been Planet around for a something. while. And it's great. It's great. And so Planet uh, Lunch, Planet, uh, lunch, Planet. Planet Lunch, Lunch Planet, something like that. Lunch Planet or Planet but, Box yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Planet Lunch Box or whatever. Um, and uh, and so I got into that when when they were in pandemic and they loved they loved it because then they could go anywhere in the house and have their own lunch and go to this room or go to that room and feel like they were you know being able to be independent at Zoom school they they'd look forward to that so that's um, amazing are you are you cooking dinners for everybody as well, well? N- unfortunately right now I'm not uh, it, it's hard I'm we're living in a hotel for the past two weeks. And I do as much as they have a convection top. And and uh, so we're doing breakfasts and it's not really yes. that exciting. Um, and dinners are, you know, I'm cooking salads for myself lately, but but because we're at a hotel and our brownstone had a terrible, terrible flood from Ida. So we had to move out uh, of it uh, for the next year. So we just put it on the market. And uh, so we have to yeah. be into reconstruction for the best next 12 months. Listen, if you were my dad, I would be so upset that you weren't making dinner. I'd be like, really? You went to Le Cordon Bleu and you're not <laughs> making me dinner? I, you know, we do spend time out east. We have a we yeah. have a place out in the country and I do I do at least do one or two meals at home where whether I'm grilling or we have a huge garden so I make sure that I'm bringing all the vegetables back for yes, cutting absolutely. up vegetables and I still have tomatoes. And so I, I'll do a big dinner this weekend. We'll do something um, exciting I, sure I, I would expect like so micro, micro greens, crenelles, you know, <laughs> <laughs> beautifully sauced plates every night for dinner. If you were my mother, we, we, I, you know, I turn it out, and it's it's interesting. My kids are so funny out to dinner because if it's a subpar meal, it's always not as good as you, Dad. You know, so that's that's oh, awesome. That's, I love that. that. that, that oh, it's great. It's great. That must be amazing to hear. Before we cut out to the break, I uh, do you do when. When, when you are in a place that you can cook, are you doing all the cooking or, or can Neil handle himself in the kitchen as well? Um, Neil can, you know, there's a few things he can do. You know, he can Eggs do... Eggs and toast? Uh, he'll do like a <laughs> breakfast quesadilla or yeah. a breakfast burrito or he'll do quesadillas, like chicken quesadillas and... 
they'll, they'll make a sandwich or, you know, <laughs> that's really about the extent of what, what he'll do. Uh, but he's an amazing sous chef. And I, you know, anything that I give him to do task oriented, he's awesome at. And especially like decorating, like he'll, de- he, we, for the first like five, six years of the kid's life, he decorated all their cakes. And some of these cakes are so incredible. Like I'll make the cake and he'll decorate it. And he had like dry ice coming out of it. And that, you know, it was Playmobil against Shopkins and the Shopkins and the Playmobiles were all fighting and princesses against robots. It's been, it's been, he, he's really creative and awesome in that way. So wow. he's, a, he's a very big asset in the kitchen and, and not only that, but he does dishes really well. So <laughs> nothing like a man that can do your dishes, especially since I'm single and my life is like 80% dishes. So. I know that's the thing. It's, it's so hard to cook. It's so hard to cook for yourself. Well, especially when you live in 120 square feet in Times Square. So, you know, I always say my apartment is like, you know, 60% kitchen, 40% like living space. (laughs) You know, I used to bake custom cakes out of here. I used to cater out of here. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. It's 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 something for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, this has been so much fun! But I think right now would be the perfect time to take David out to my favorite part and your favorite part of the podcast in your mouth, listeners. A little something we like to call delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Food news update. Food news. Food news. Honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. Millennial artist debuts 2.95 million solid gold avocado bagel sculpture. (laughs) Wow. You should that's see a lot face. of that's a lot of avocado. But hey, <laughs> wherever you're getting your medium to make art, do it. But I, I want to know where the millennial got all the money for the gold. It is 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 really what I want to know. So the spendy sandwich is currently being shown at Berlin Art Week before making its way to Miami. Thank do you have you. a picture of it? Can I look it up? Yes, uh, you can go to Food and Wine News, and it's the first article as of today. Yes. Take a look at that, and I'm going to talk about this article for a minute. So, um, Tim Bengal is the artist, and he's known for doing really large, um, really impressive art installation pieces. And this one... Uh, is this year's Berlin Art Week, and it started last week, September 15th, and it'll debut his newest artwork, which is called Who Wants to Live Forever? And it's basically, uh, Bengal started with a real sliced pumpkin bagel, five tomato slices, five onion rings, five slices of avocado, and ten arugula leaves. He scanned and 3D printed molds of the bagel and then cast the entire thing in more than... 
what is $354,000 worth of liquid gold. Wow, that's crazy. That's just crazy. How much is it go how much is it going for? 2.94 million. Oh, 95 million. Yeah. Wow, that's nuts. That's that's a commitment, man. You must it, have to love bagels to yeah. do that. He's, he's making a very specific statement here. He goes, For thousands of years, people have attributed meaning to gold, uh, whether as the tears of the gods, as with the Aztecs, or as the source of eternal wealth, as with King Midas in ancient Greece. Of course, gold, and especially its mining, also have considerable downsides. There are parallels with the avocado, the green gold of a new industry. To capture cultural significance of the avocado, no material would be more fitting than gold. That's crazy. Yeah, the sculpture is intended to trigger an awareness of our present time, a time of rapid change, social media, fitness trends, green revolution, environmental destruction, turbo capitalism, and constant self-optimization. Perhaps we are living in the most exciting times ever. Be aware of that, he says. Would you spend your money on a gold bagel? I mean, I don't... I barely, I barely have ten dollars to take me out to the club these days, but much less two point nine four million. That's not my kind of my kind of jam. I I, I think it, something with a little more artistic work to me. I didn't. I, you I know. Listen, listen. You're about to sell. Uh, you're about to sell the brownstone, and the whole thing is that you need to reinvest that money or get taxed highly, right? So why not? Why not invest the two point nine five, and you still have a whole lot of money left over for. For a new property, right? <laughs> I guess. I guess the kids' schooling's not that important. <laughs> They'll be just fine, you know. Public school in certain places uh, it can real, you know, take them to Pennsylvania or something. <laughs> I don't know if we're here for this, but like, yeah, shout out, shout out to art and art making a statement, I guess. Planters Peanuts was giving fans a chance to stay in their gigantic peanut motel. What? <laughs> now, as someone who unfortunately has to be living in a hotel right now due to dire circumstances, <laughs> I thought this was, I actually picked this for a very different reason because you were selling your, your house. I just didn't understand why. But now, I mean... Right. Instead of staying at that hotel, why not? Why not see if you could just rent out the uh, the Planters Peanuts Motel? <laughs> so you must really love nuts to uh, you know. To- wow, <laughs> I mean, the podcast is called "In Your Mouth," honey. <laughs> and let wow. me tell you, I'm the biggest nut lover I know. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Get a handful of those Planters nuts. Love. Woo! So yeah, Planters is offer, was offering one lucky peanut fan a two-night stay in their 26-foot-long peanut on wheels in Duluth, <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. It's crazy. No. I'd stay in a peanut hotel. Are you kidding me? It's a, it, it, it's a motel. Let's not, let's a motel. Not... Okay, okay. For one night, I could do that. That'd right? be fun. It's two, ni- it's two nights. It looks like a peanut RV. It's actually really cute. It's all like planters, peanuts, decked out. And, you know, planters wasn't giving this away, actually. The nutmobile. Oh, my God. Like, that's, that, that could be problematic Hello. in itself. <laughs> but... 
Um, they were charging whoever won $3.59, which is exactly how much a jar of Planters peanuts costs for the entire weekend. But the lucky guests would have received a $1,500 travel stipend and get to experience some can nut miss activities among uh, Minnesota's beautiful scenery. <laughs> wow. Wow. I think I would have preferred to stay in the wiener, but uh, the nuts will do. Yeah. No, listen, there was a food news update like a couple <laughs> weeks ago that if you ordered a Lyft XL, you could pop like the wiener mobile just might have shown up <laughs> to your to your house. Oh my gosh. That's a brilliant. That's so brilliant. Could I you imagine that. you and Neil were going to like some fancy event or something and like the the car they hired for you was missing, so you had to like catch a Lyft XL and the Wiener Mobile shows up. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That would be the best press ever. The the two of you would have would have like absorbed that immediately. Yeah. <laughs> my my friend, my really, really good friend Willem, uh did a show and they rented out the Oscar Muir Wiener Mobile to come drop them off on the red carpet or him in Alaska. So funny. Amazing. Yes. All right. Drop the Drag Race royalty um, uh, references. Uh, who's uh, who's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Well, Willem, just because he's one of my best friends. He's like family to me. I, I so love that. I love uh, that. Amazing. Yeah. But, I've worked, but he, I've did worked with... kicked out. he did get kicked off the show. So. <laughs> I mean, someone just posted... Uh, oh, it was Nina Bonina Brown posted um, a fake like ad for the the canceled queen season a season to pure canceled queens and so it was like willem nina bonina brown uh every every season that has had like a problem like uh a queen that the that the super fans like just tried to cancel for one reason or another throw them all in uh he missed or she missed uh fifi o'hara fifi o'hara wasn't on that list oh right right that's a season I would watch, though. But you know what? I don't know if uh, RuPaul would stay in the Nutmobile, right? But I think David and I sure as hell I would. would. Come on. Maybe we need to plan a weekend. Like, rent, rent the Nutmobile, rent the Wienermobile. We'll make all the jokes. Let's I'm sure- get nutty. Yeah, let's get nutty. Love <laughs> I, love an, I love a nut joke. I love Pla- a nut joke. Planners... Planners would completely be here for this. And last but not, and certainly not least, Jones's Turkey and Gravy Soda is coming back after a decade away. (laughs) (laughs) What? Are you familiar with Jones's Soda? Yeah, of course I know Jones's Soda, but they have a turkey and gravy. Have you tried this? No, I haven't tried this. Uh, I'm not really excited to try this. It sounds like a gag gift you get at a white elephant. Actually, it's a good idea for the holidays. It's a good idea. Are you a Housewives fan? Uh, I've, I've watched it here and there. I'm working on a show that's based on Housewives, so, uh... So I've had to watch quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, this season is insane. Um, uh, I, which one? They're all New, New York. New York. Oh yes, yes, yes. I, I'm sad they're not having a reunion. But the Atlanta Housewives did a, a white elephant where they had to spend like a crazy amount. Each gift had to be a crazy amount of money, and one of them just brought like I don't know. I think it was like two thousand dollars worth of like just champagne bottles, and they were all really angry about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like this is like the normal person's equivalent to that. Just giving people Jones's turkey and gravy soda. They apparently have also released bizarre holiday flavors, including green bean casserole and Christmas ham. But according yeah. to Jones, one of their most popular odd varieties has been their Thanksgiving themed turkey and gravy soda originally launched back in 2003. I wonder if I wonder if you're like if you're making a pot of chili or you're making something where you have to add a beer or a soda or something into it. Uh, I never like if you're making a. I know that I have a barbecue sauce in my book that I use a whole like liter of Coca Cola that I cook down. So I wonder if that would be good for cooking reasons. I mean, if I you're mean, you're so temp- sensible. <laughs> if you're making like a tempura and you have to add some soda water for, you know, a, a light bubbly batter, that could maybe give a nice little flavor. But uh, just drinking it like uh, over ice, I don't, I mean, I don't, it's not my thing. Not I my mean, thing. It might be fun for the kids, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean it, it's very, uh, you know, Willy Wonka, you know. Uh, Absolutely. And you all are the, que- are, are the queens of Halloween. <laughs> you are known in the world as being the queens of Halloween. You take that serious. But legit, like, I mean, that is a, a very sensible use. A celery soda was huge back in the day. I forget who makes the original celery soda. It's some famous soda company. Um, but, like, celery soda was a very I, big I thing. love a celery. A celery cocktail is great. Like, a celery syrup. I, I have my book as well, like, Italian sodas you, for for Thanksgiving. I have yeah. a, uh, a celery cocktail with gin, actually. That's a really, yeah. it's sort of herbaceous. And a little gin, like a little Campari, a little celery. Why not? Totally. Why not? Yeah. I'm here for this. Jones, I don't know what you're doing out there. I think I think this is for the Instagram of it all. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like it sounds like press. They just want press. And uh, and boy are they getting it for sure. And with that, I think that's the best and probably grossest way to end food <laughs> news update. <laughs> I'm going to need you to take all this really fantastic knowledge back to Neil and the kids, okay? I definitely will. I think I'm going to go online and get some of that soda just for Christmas gifts this year. Uh, I'm sure they'll just send it to you, right? <laughs> you are David Burtka after all. Oh, please. <laughs> if only. If only that worked. <laughs> it does. Listen, this has been a party, and you've been talking about your cookbook a little bit, and I wanted to get to it. You know, released in 2019, Life is a Party. Is life still a party after after being in quarantine for so long? It is. I really, I, you know, it was it was interesting because during quarantine, everybody took down their my book off their shelves because no one was partying. I released this cookbook, and then... No one wanted to party or get together, but I I felt like you still had to manage doing stuff that was easy and socially distanced. And, you know, luckily we were very fortunate to have some close friends that we sort of lived in a pod with in quarantine. Uh, Mariska Hargitay and her husband, Peter Herman, and our kids. I've had the pleasure of meeting her. She's wonderful. She's fantastic. So wonderful, yes. And Allie Wentworth, and we saw them all the time because we lived close by to them. So they were sort of in our pod in our world. So we'd party all the time. We had a 
you know, a closed Halloween party with just us and Thanksgiving with just us. And so, you know, I think it's important, even if there's six people in your group, it's still important to party and get together and, and share stories and, and laughter and food. And, um, although we are sort of branching out and becoming more, you know, uh, aware of being together, uh, or more, comfortable getting together, I should say. Um, it's uh, it's an important part of, part of life. I think a lot of people yeah. had a hard time with quarantine because we were also isolated. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are we going to see a, yet like a life is a party or a life is a gas? You know, that's a terrible name for a cookbook part two. <laughs> <laughs> life is a gas. The beans, the, the the beans and and broccoli cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a semen cookbook out there, so I oh. will not. Oh, I will interesting. Not, uh, yes, interesting and not so at the same time. <laughs> have you seen the recipes from that? I I have. I have. It is a constant uh, subject here on the pod. I've tried <laughs> to get Miss Paul, uh, Mr. Paul Foten Fotower, I forget how to say his last name, on the pod. He is uncontactable. But uh, just to ask him why. But uh, yeah, it's out there. There's a cocktail cookbook and a and a cookbook. I can't imagine. Using, it takes it takes the whole fun out of it. I get, I, I guess, <laughs> or maybe it doesn't for Paul. But, I guess I, I so. Just, I wouldn't pass. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past anybody for making a beans and broccoli life as a gas cookbook. But should we expect another cookbook from you? Like, or is just the focus? Like, how how is the balance between like you know chef life and like acting life? Well, you know, I really have to, uh, I, I was asked to do a cookbook right away, a second one. Uh, and I had a really great idea for one. And I, you know, wrote up the treatment and and had a bunch of recipes sort of in my back pocket. But I just couldn't bring myself to it. Like it took up so much time and effort. Like I'm not one to just have someone ghostwrite it. I know a lot of people just have people ghostwrite their mm-hmm. books. And and I, I really felt like I needed to really have every single part done by me. Not only am I a bit of a control freak when it comes to what I put out there, but I I need to have control on what the photos are, what the, what the recipes are. And, and so I just felt like it was so much time and effort. uh, And I just couldn't bring myself to it. And then during quarantine, I realized, you know, I, I need to go back into acting. Like I had a food network show that was, um, that got picked up and I was supposed to film that, uh, actually in May, right before the quarantine, right before we all, we all shut down. And, um, and the talk about going back to do that was not my thing. Like I just realized I need to focus on what I really, really love to do. And I, I think that acting was my main goal right now. I need to put that out there in the world and, and, and I'll always love cooking, but for right now as a vocation, um, I sort of put it on the back burner. I like doing it for my friends and family, but as a job, I never got into it because I loved it. Like what I said before, I I got into it because I needed a distraction from my mom's death. And then after seven years of doing it, I said, oh shit, like 
why am I doing this? <laughs> I don't yeah. even, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I'm an actor. Like I perform on Broadway. I, you know, I, I like creating a character and I like, I like uh, affecting people and moving people and, and making people think with, uh, with art that way. So, so I, I'm sort of centered I mean, just on that, that right now. Who does that too? Food does that too. Affects people, and it does. And, it and, does, but in yeah. a very, in a very polarizing way. Like, yeah, it's interesting. You put all this work into something, and you put it on a plate, and they eat it, and it's done. Yeah, and it's like, and it's a one-time-off thing. Whereas you're doing a Broadway show, you talk about it for years. I mean, yeah, there are people that are like that. People say, "Oh my God, that that ribeye you made two years ago was incredible." But it's not. It's not the same, you know. When yeah, you look- I get that. I absolutely get that. But there are some meals in my life, and I'm sure there's been some meals in your life that I still, I still can taste to this day. Or like, you know what? Even down to the simplest things, like I don't eat McDonald's ever but like sometimes i get a pregnant lady craving for a quarter pounder with cheese and i can taste it and that's enough to satisfy <laughs> right right <laughs> you know so listen before we close out i i've been on a journey uh recently and really really enjoying it inspired by one michael twitty um talking about gay food and what about food is inherently gay or not or what makes food gay opinions it's interesting because so many i mean gay and food necessarily doesn't line up uh, all the time like there's jokes about not eating carbs and vodka sodas and having like plates of Tic Tacs. And that's, you know, um, I mean, I do feel like for pride, I do a really fun menu in terms of like fruit skewers looking like a rainbow or shish kebabs, all the different colors of vegetables Mm -hmm. and a pizza where you have all the different colors of vegetables on a pizza, you know, and, and, and I do think that's gay. If you can show the rainbow within that, um, but in terms of gay food, I don't, I don't think that there's necessarily. I, I, I mean, yeah, I love this question only because everyone, everyone, sometimes or like everyone just doesn't know what to do with it sometimes, and it's really really fun because you know the, I get the spectrum of answers, answers like yours, and then answers because we know and you've lived like the hyper masculine toxic kind of kitchen life. You know, we talk about that. And so, like, being out and represented in the kitchen as LGBTQ and finding that space and being comfortable in that space and then inherently, like, rep- being represented through your food down to down to the simplest thing of just, like, pride foods, you know, and, and what makes food gay. And so that's why I really love this question. And I'm kind of on this journey with this question. Right. Um, just because the array of answers, and we are the tastemakers. We have been the tastemakers. Culinary historian Michael Twitty has taken me back centuries now, right, uh, to people like, you know, the enslaved and writings of, like, gay people being in the kitchen and, like, all, all right. these old things. Or, like, I forget whom else uh, pulled out all these, like, cookbooks from the 50s and 60s talking about, like, the lesbian potluck parties and and whatnot and like encompassing gay food that way and so and so it's just a really really fun just a fun question and like just a fun thought of like oh like 
oh, okay, gay food. What what is that? Well, it's know? interesting. It could be uh, it could be a lot of different things. Like you could think of like really feminine looking cream puffs with like you know what you call me spun spun <laughs> you know sugar all on it and or pink dusted you know macaroons. You know what I mean? It, or or it could be more the pride world or it. You know, it could be, you know, very eating very healthy. You know, I mean, that's it's a, the thing about gay people is that we're all different. And it's not just like we're not just feminine. We're not just butch. We're not. So I, I think to put gay food in a box is putting gay people in a box. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. If you're thinking about consumption of food and not necessarily production of food. You know? it's, it's an it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, yeah, and I guess that's it falls why I'm into really so many falls into so many categories, categories. because yeah. because there's so many gay people that are falling into so many different sort of categories. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, I guess gay food is all food. It, it can it certainly can be all right unless unless you're eating beans and broccoli, then you're not bottoming that night. But <laughs> or semen <laughs> or. or or or, or semen, semen, yes. semen semen smoothies semen oh, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it um, yeah it's like Marcella from um, trans non-binary famous DC DC chef had like really strong opinions on like you know being a tastemaker and and being out in the kitchen and like showing who they are through their food and like what gay food meant in that respect. And I was like, oh, it got like, it got like serious and heavy and but beautiful at the same time. Right, you know? right. It, it's, it's an incredible question. And, and it's this, it's the discussion that it fosters as in a safe space for us that I've created for us. That's just like really fun. And like, just, I, I always look forward to the answer is what I'm saying. Uh, you know what? We're heading right into October. And before, absolutely, last question before we close out, you, you your family is known as the Halloween Queens. Do you, have you started working on it? Do we have ideas? Can we get oh, a preview? Oh, my God. We haven't. We haven't. And it's, it's kind of frightening. Uh, I have an idea. And Neil has an idea and we're sort of trying to combine the two, but my kids are like over it. They're so over this idea. I I mentioned it to my son and I said, can you be X, Y? And he's like, how much are you going to pay me? So that's where we've gone to now. So I think we either have to bribe our kids or, you know, they're coming up with ideas that are not like that, you know, wanting to be teen titans like no one knows you know wanting to be dungeons and dragons like no one's gonna know who the fuck we are so it's got it's an interesting conversation like you know they get to pick what they want to pick for halloween when they go out trick-or-treating but neil and i sort of try and steer a family pick and people have really gone to expect it and i don't know how many more years we have left listen uh when they uh, i grew up in a household where we yes we had an allowance but that allowance was uh, super minimal and we still had to clean the bathroom scour the pots you know oh yeah my kids my kids are the floors so right so like chore it out you want you want money you gotta you gotta work for that money huh right (laughs) right This is amazing. And I can't thank you enough for giving me of your time out of your busy schedule because, uh, I mean, 
it's it was just so special to sit to sit here and connect with you, especially since we have so many people in common. Chef Charles Disa, Jake Cohen, oh, you know, true. yeah, right, yeah, right. So many people that are near and dear to my heart and are part of my like big gay, you know, food family now. Yeah. And so I am happy to include you that in that and honored at the same time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, and uh, before we go, I just want to say get your tickets for the New York Wine and Food Festival. Neil and I are hosting a drag brunch on Sunday, October 17th. I think there are still tickets left. It's going to be a fantastic show. Uh, Detox from RuPaul's Drag Race. Murray Hill, the famous drag king, is hosting it. There's going to be some other drag queens and awesome, awesome performances. So you won't want to miss this. Good food, good drag, uh, good fun, all for a good cause. Yes, absolutely. It's actually one of my favorite New York Wine and Food Festival events. So go out there and get your tickets, kids. David, give the kids all the handles, all the websites so they can find you. I'm David Burka uh, on Twitter, D-B-Licious, D-B-E-L-I-C-I-O-U-S, davidburka.com. And I also volunteer a lot at God's Love We Deliver. So if you want to go look on that. And, uh, oh my and, God. Uh, and you just involved the kids in No Kids Hungry, and we didn't get a chance right. to. Uh, yeah, to, the kids, uh, City uh, Harvest as well. They're on the Junior Food Council. So they're uh, they're doing that, and I'm on the Culinary Council uh, of that is God's so Love special. Deliver. So that we is do a so lot special. of work. We do a lot of work feeding the hungry. So if you want to get involved, go to God's Love We Deliver or City Harvest and uh, donate your time, donate your your money, uh, sources, whatever. Uh, there's going to yeah, be a lot absolutely. of really great I'll events. Put- a lot of really great events coming up in the fall and the winter. So uh, check yes. those out. I will put all those links in the liner notes of the podcast. You can find that all there. Once again, big thanks and shout out to David Bertka for coming on the pod and just, you know, just sharing and laughing with me. Today was so special in your mouth, listeners. Well, it's the end of September and we're barreling towards Halloween and the holidays. And I really don't have much more for you because my heart is full today. So with that, all I have to say is thank you for listening to In Yo 